All right. At this time, we're going to welcome up our, one of our intern pastors. He's the worship pastor here on Hillside. Uh, he's studying. He's a second year at Torch Seminary. All right. This is uh, Pastor John Newfeld, Mennonite from Winnipeg, Canada. Glad you got love for the Mennonites. All the Mennonites appreciate that around the world, that you love Mennonites. Uh, All right. Let's pray for a minute before we get into this. Father, we praise you. God, we thank you. Once again, Lord, that you've given us your word, God, that you desire to speak to us in it and through it, God. And we ask for an awakening, God, in this room tonight, God, to your word. God, an awakening to your voice. And an unstopping of ears, God, a softening of hearts, Lord. Lord, that the truth that you desire, Lord, to communicate tonight would hit the mark in our hearts, God, and would cause change and would challenge us, Father, and would comfort us, would exhort us and encourage us, Father, and that you would continue, Lord, to conform us all into the likeness of your Son, God, that you would move us, God, further and further into the image, Lord, you've dreamt for us from before time, God. Lord, you would awaken our hearts to your passions and your desires, God. Warm our hearts right now, God. Warm our hearts. We love you. We put our trust in you. We thank you. We ask these things all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Spilling on myself. <laughs> Actually, can I, you guys, can I get you guys to pray for me for like 30 seconds for my cough? I've been coughing like for the past week, and I don't want to be coughing through this message. I was prayed for before, but uh, if you can all pray for me for just like 30 seconds, I would value that. Please pray for me. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you are God of healing, God. Thank you for giving us, God, authority, God. Lord, the opportunity to take authority over sickness and illness, God, and declare healing and wholeness, God. And we declare that tonight, God. Thank you, Lord. We love you, God. We ask those things all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for doing that. Okay. All right. So how are we doing? How is... How is November? That's what I want to ask tonight. How, how has November been for us? I had, 
I had the opportunity to lead prayer at, um, at Sunday Swim on October 31st, the day before November started. And I was just realizing as I was going through prayer topics, November is such a hectic month. Is it, is it not just, it's not just me, right? Is, is it like everyone? And it's for the church. There are so many things going on in November. And uh, yeah, the intern passes and we got some, some visitors from Torch. Welcome, Torch people. We love you. Um, yeah, fellow students at Torch. And, and Torch is hectic. It's like, I feel like this is the busiest month of my entire life, actually, to be honest, to this point in my, in my young life. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm still young, I think. Anyways. Anyways. Yeah, I... Um, <laughs> so November is, is hectic. And... As I was leading prayer at Sunday Swim, I felt the Lord say, November needs to be a month of joy. And then Pastor Christian was talking last week about November being a month of thanksgiving. I believe it was. And, and the importance of praising God and being joyful in busyness, in difficulties, and in trials. And as I was preparing for this message asking the Lord what to preach on. I was reminded that during the summer, Pastor Benjamin was talking about being a prophetic people. How many of you guys were at that seminar? It was, you should podcast it. It was like really, really good. And one of the points he was making is that as a prophetic people, when you go through difficulties or different situations, what you're going through is not really about you. You know, it's a sign for what's happening on a larger scale for other people. And so I felt the Lord was saying, you know, a lot of people are struggling with, with busyness, with weariness, even with sickness. And, and then we need to press into that a bit tonight, that issue tonight. So we're going to do that. And one of the things we're learning at Torch these days is systematic theology. Does that excite you when I say systematic theology? How many people get excited about that? I, I kind of like systematic, honestly, honestly, Pastor Marcus, he was telling me, actually, I don't know if I should say this. He, I'll say it anyways. <laughs> he, he was saying, he was telling me, John, I think, I think he actually said, I hate systematic theology. And then, no, then he corrected himself. I know. And he said, no, I like just, just the textbook and just the things, you know, the, the stuff we have to work through because it's, he doesn't actually hate systematic theology. It's just a difficult time, but we're studying this stuff. Systematic theology, not normally the most exciting thing in the world, but I want to give us a quick systematic theology lesson. Okay, are we good for that? Marcus says no. All right, and we've got an exam coming up with finals, so this is a review for our final coming up as well. Simple lesson. All right, we got it? I know Marcus loves systematic theology. That's why I can say that. He's got a heart for it. So salvation. We all know what salvation is, right? Just in broad strokes, salvation means that we were once sinners and we were on our way to hell and we were separated from God eternally because of our sin and God saved us, right? He rescued us out of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son whom he loves. The thing with salvation is that it's got three different parts. There are three different aspects of salvation. Okay? And I know these torch students, they all know it. 
Even Lydia, you studied this before too. No, you didn't? Okay. First part of salvation. <laughs> First thing is something called justification. Okay? Yeah, so I, I know. Justification. Justification just means that we were declared righteous when we first surrendered our lives to God. God gave us the very righteousness of Christ, and we were found holy and blameless in his sight forever. When God looks at us, he sees us the same way he sees Jesus. He sees us as holy and blameless. That's justification. There's another aspect called glorification. And glorification is what happens when we meet Jesus face to face, after our life on this earth is done, we will be transformed fully into the perfection of the image of Christ. We will be like him because we're going to see him as he is. And our bodies will be glorified. That's also a part of our salvation. So salvation has happened for us. It will happen for us. And the third aspect of salvation is what happens in between. It's something called sanctification. If you've heard of that. Sanctification gets us kind of from justification to glorification. And it's the process of being made like Jesus. That's what's going on right now. That's the season of your life that you are in. Regardless of your age, regardless of how old or how long you've been a Christian, you are in a season of sanctification. God is making you holy. He's making you like Jesus. Okay? And a passage of scripture I want to look at concerning this that we can all turn to right now is in James 1. James 1. Okay, James 1, we're looking at verses 2, and we're going to read till verse 4. If you have an ESV Bible, we're all going to read it together. Ready? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. All right, is that passage exciting? Yeah. Really? Because here's the thing with, with James 1, verse 2. I, I don't know if you ever feel like this is a passage like from another planet. Like, count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. Meet trials of various kinds. I've got the NIV in my head. Um, yeah, count it all joy. Do you ever wonder, like, who actually does that? No, no, honestly, honestly. Like... When you are facing a trial, when you're facing difficult circumstances, you're actually joyful about it. Not just joyful through it, but joyful because of it. That, that's, that's a word that I think very few of us grasp on a regular basis and really run with. Very difficult. I think it's a very high level of spiritual maturity to really run with that verse. 
count it all joy. Count it joy. And that word count, it's hard to find a good English word for that, for that Greek word. Because it's like, know that it is joy. Like whether you want to even acknowledge it or not, it, it is joy. It is joy to face trials of many kinds. Kind of strange to really grasp that. The thing we've got to understand about this is that God has a dream for your life. I can tell you all. I can tell each one of you in this room what God's dream for your life is. Do you want to know? Really? I'll tell you if you want to know. God's dream for your life is to make you like Jesus. Beyond anything else that God wants for your life, He wants to conform you to the image of His Son. Romans 8.29 says... Oh, what does it say? I was flowing. (laughs) For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. All of those he foreknew, every one of you, he predestined, he forechose that he would conform you to the likeness of his son. That's the dream of God's heart for you. That you would become more and more and more like Jesus. To enter fully into the love of Jesus, to enter into the power of Jesus, to enter into the character of Jesus, the wisdom of Jesus, everything that is in Jesus, God's desire, his dream for your life is to move you more and more into the image of his son. God is committed. He is committed to making you more and more and more like Jesus. And he's going to do what it takes for that to happen. When God's committed to something, he's going to do it. It's going to happen, right? And so that's, that's God's beyond anything else God wants for you. That's what he wants for you. And it's wise. I'll tell you tonight. It is wise for us to want the same things that God wants. That's a good place to be, right? Because God's desires are perfect. God's desires are right. They are the absolute best things for us. So it's wise for us to align our hearts and our desires with what God wants. All right? So, that's why we can count it joy when we face trials of many kinds. God is giving each one of us trials in our lives as gifts as opportunities, because I can assure you that you will not grow into the image of Christ apart from trials. It will not happen. If you want to be like Jesus, you are going to go through difficulty. Does that excite you? Good. Okay. Here's the thing with trials, though. A lot of people go through trials... And those trials don't help them one bit in becoming like Jesus, right? All sorts of people, people all over the world are going through trials. They're going through difficulties, but that doesn't mean that they're becoming more like Jesus just because they're going through trials. What it takes is responding rightly to your trials. And God is going to continue 
to allow trials to come into your life and wait for you to respond rightly to them. He's faithful to do it, you know? He will, he will allow it. It will happen. Because God wants to teach each one of us how to fight. He wants to teach each one of us how to be mature, how to not stay in infancy, but grow up and rise up in Him. Okay? So this is all about right response to trials in our lives. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Right response in trials in our lives. And I'm just going to talk about a few of them that God's been impressing on my heart lately as I've been going through trials in this month of November, along with many of us, okay? All right. We're doing it. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, cough and all. All right. So a few right responses, a few right responses to trials. First one. Maybe my favorite one. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I I was just preaching this afternoon in preaching class about praising the Lord. I got to preach lots. I said it a lot. Praise the Lord. The first, one of the most important things you can do when you're facing trials, and also one of the most difficult, and sometimes for us feeling the most foreign thing, is to praise the Lord. To get used to, to lifting up the name of the Lord in praise. When we're going through trials, you know, there is never a wrong time to praise the Lord. There is never a bad time to praise the Lord. There is never a circumstance or a difficulty too great or too big to praise the Lord in. You look at the life of Job. God gave us Job as a gift. He's saying, this is the extreme. Your life does not look like Job. Okay? It doesn't. No matter how... (laughs) Yes, thank you, Lord. Your life does not look like Job's life. He lost everything. He lost everything he owned. He lost his entire family, except for his wife, who wasn't any help to him at all. She just told him to curse God and die. Like... Men, you don't want to marry a woman like that. That's going to tell you to curse God and die, you know? Right? A woman of, of noble character. Proverbs 31. Read it up later. Anyways. Yeah. Proverbs 31. He lost everything, and then he had this terrible skin disease, and he had friends, but his friends weren't any help either. Right? He lost everything. And what does he say? The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Be praised. Praise the Lord. When you're in difficult situations, praise the Lord. Why? How does that help you to praise the Lord? I'll tell you this. Praising God enables you to see things rightly. Everything comes into right thinking and right seeing when you praise the Lord. Because when you praise the Lord, you start to see God for who he really is. And you see your circumstances for what they really are. And you realize that your trials and your difficulties are temporal. They are short-lived. They're not lasting forever. And you see that God is eternal. 
and he's perfect, and he's wonderful, and he's fully able to do anything, immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. When you praise God, you start seeing things for how they really are. You see the world rightly. You lift your eyes off your circumstances, and you see reality. When you look at God, you see reality. Okay? That's one reason. Another reason, when you praise the Lord, he manifests his presence among you. I talk about this a lot. I can't stop talking about this because I think it's amazing. Psalm 22 is such a good verse for that and for us. That God inhabits the praises of Israel. He's enthroned in the praises of Israel. He draws near to us. When we praise him, the spiritual atmosphere around you is changed. One thing I was challenged to do when I was, when I was a Hagwan teacher, I, I, I've been a Hagwan teacher, so I feel the pain that some of you feel, um, and maybe the joys as well. But I came to a point in one of the Hagwans I was working at, I just, I just started to feel, you know, there, there are strongholds in this Hagwan. There, there really are. And I need to do something about it. I can't just let that go on and just be under that. And I started to praise the Lord in my classrooms. And I started to pray. I would stay after hours a couple of times. And I would just praise the Lord. I would just walk around worshiping the Lord. Just cultivating the spiritual ground through worship. Because as you do that, God manifests his presence. And the spiritual atmosphere around you is changed. When you're going through trials, praise the Lord. You see things rightly. And God begins to shift the atmosphere around you when you praise him. Here's another benefit of praising the Lord. There are countless. I'll give you a third one. Third benefit. It's very difficult to be stressed out when you're praising the Lord. I'm not sure that it's possible. It probably isn't. Okay? But when you consider being in the presence of God in praise, consider the throne room of God. All right? So you've got four living creatures and you've got 24 elders around the throne. You've got 10,000 times 10,000 angels. They're all praising the Lord. Do you think that for a minute, one of them is stressed out? No, really, really. Do you think any of the angels in heaven are stressed out about anything? No. What are they doing? They're praising the Lord. They're praising the Lord. If you want to just have a release of stress from your circumstances, your trials, praise the Lord. Praise is good for everything that ails you. It, it just is. Okay? And it's, the thing is, it's not natural. It's, so often we, we just don't feel like it. But you've got to get over that hump and just do it. Right? Just praise the Lord and, and let God go to work. Let God go to work in your situation as you praise him. Okay? So that is one good response to trials and difficulties that you face. Praise the Lord. A second one. Second response that's good. Exercise your authority. So much of us, so many of us, I should say, as we face trials and difficulties in our life of various kinds, we start feeling sorry for ourselves. And we have a pity party, you know? And we just start to sulk and woe is me. These things are happening to me. My life is hard. 
somebody feel sorry for me. Right? Oh, I'm, I'm being real. You know? You know, we need a fresh revelation, really, in those times of trials of who we actually are. Like what our identity really is. God has declared each one of us here as believers in Jesus. He has declared us more than conquerors. You are not just a conqueror, you are more than a conqueror. God is working everything for your good. You are more than a conqueror. You are victorious in Christ. You are victorious once. You need to walk in that identity as someone who is victorious. You've got to walk in your identity as someone who is an overcomer. That is who you are. We're going to turn to 1 John 5. Everyone, turn to 1 John 5 quickly. First John 5, we're going to look at verse 4 and 5. And I will read it for us. It says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? You are all overcomers in Jesus. You overcome the world. That is your very nature. When you don't overcome the world and things that are going on, the trials that face you, it's because you've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten your, your God-given right and identity as an overcomer. It is your very nature. Illustration once given in the animal kingdom that it is the very nature Think about a, a lion, a lion and a gazelle. I don't know. Do any of you guys like watch nature shows? Because some people, some people don't like that. Like they're, they're kind of violent. Some of them, you know, where they just, it's, it's the food chain working itself out. And, uh, but it's, it's, it's kind of interesting, right? At least it's interesting. Okay. Maybe it's just scary for some people. Anyways, when you consider who a lion is, what a lion is and what a gazelle is, it is the very nature of a lion to overcome a gazelle. That's what a lion is built for. A lion is built to overcome. Could you ever imagine a gazelle overcoming a lion? That's, to me, that's a very bizarre picture. Okay? But that is the picture of our lives in so many ways. Do you see it? How often do we get overcome by the world? How often do we get overcome by trials and difficulties? Like a gazelle overcoming a lion. God says, this is who you are in Jesus. You are one who overcomes the world. You overcome trials. You overcome temptations. You overcome them. That's who you are. If you don't, you've just forgotten who you are. And you need to rise up in your identity. You need to take authority. When you face trials and difficulties, you've got to see them for what they really are. Like you're not overcoming them in the physical realm. You're overcoming them in the spiritual realm. Paul makes it clear that our struggle, that our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? It's against the spiritual realm. Your issue 
is not with your boss primarily. Your issue is not with your landlord primarily. Your issue is not with your parents primarily. Your issue is with the spiritual realm, the spiritual forces of darkness in the heavenly realms, right? That is where your issue lies. And God is calling you, calling you to rise up in authority and use what God's given you to break off strongholds, to break them down, right? To loose and to bind. God has given every one of you authority to loose off everything that is not of him and to bind it and cast it off your life and cast it off the life of the people around you. You've got to rise up and exercise your authority. When lies begin to attack you, when you start hearing the enemy speak things that you know are not true, it's not for you to entertain those things. It's for you to break them off and cast them off your life because God has given you authority to do that. That's who you are in Jesus. Break it off. Don't just feel sorry for yourself. When you become sick, break it off. Right now, I, I am sick. And I am breaking it off. And that's, that's walking it out through faith. If I were to say, okay, I am sick. I will feel sorry for myself. I will just accept that I am sick. I am just going to be sick. That's, considering who I am in Christ, that's absolutely ridiculous. That doesn't honor God in any sort of way. God is saying, who are you? Who are you and what authority have I given you? Break it off and walk it out in faith. And we need to keep growing in revelation of what that looks like. God has given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. He's given you authority to loose and to bind. He's given you authority over the enemy. The enemy is under your feet. Know it. Live it out. Walk it out. We got it? That's a good response to trials. Don't just settle for it. Say, this is who I am in Christ. I will rise up and I will take authority. I will exercise the authority he has given me. I am an overcomer. Tell your neighbor, I am an overcomer. Tell your neighbor, you are an overcomer. Receive that truth. Okay. Yes. We're only, I think there are lots of other good responses that we could give. I'll give maybe one or two more right now. The next one. Let God love you. Let God love you. You know, a good response to trials is to let God love you. You know that God, Isaiah 3 said, God longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. He just, he wants to reveal his heart to you. He really does. God is passionately in love with each person in this room. You may not feel it. You may not feel it at all. It doesn't mean that it's not true. God is passionately in love with you and he wants you to know it. And so practically what that means 
among other things, is to position yourself before God, spend time with Him, and just listen to Him. To not go to Him with an agenda and just, you know, drive yourself into intercession, right? Which is good. But to take time just to be with Him. Just to let Him hold you. You don't have to say a word. Sometimes music helps. Just just be in the presence of God. My parents were great parents. A lot of things they did wonderfully. A lot of things, or certain things that, you know, I, I hope to improve on as a parent myself. But one of my parents' greatest parental victories, I, w- I shouldn't say victories, uh, strengths, victories, strengths, strong points, something my mom used to do. I'll put it that way. So, something my mom used to do. She used to give us as kids, I, I'm one of five children, so I come from a big family. Uh, and I'm the middle child, yes. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm a... <laughs> All right, yes, I, I'm a middle child as well. Anyways, one of the things my, my mom used to do, it was great. It was something called the big brown chair treatment. Yeah, this is like... So what my parents, my mom had this, this comfortable brown, like reclining chair. Okay. And whenever us as children were like frustrated or irritable or sick, or like a lot of times when we were in these places where we were facing different trials and and, and difficulties, my mom would grab us. She like grabbed me. And then she'd take me and then she'd sit on the big brown chair and she would hold me there. Yeah. And I would generally be like really irritable, like having absolutely no interest in being there. Like, mom, just let me go. I was like struggling. Like when I was young, my mom was still stronger than me, so I couldn't. My mom's pretty strong. And... Uh, yeah, all right. I, I know where you live. Right below me. <laughs> Anyways. And so she would hold me. And as irritable as I was, over time, I would start to like it. And I would start to like melt my mom's arm, even though I would like still pretend to be irritated. I would, there's something about a mother's embrace that really comforts a child and calms them down. And she's just loving on me, you know, as a mother. And God wants to love on you. You know, I, I feel it's such a good picture of how God wants to love on me. He wants to give me his big brown chair treatment. You know, and and just just hold me there, and you don't have to rush. You know, you just take some time, take some time to be with him. When you're facing trials and difficulties, let God love you. Let him love you. All right, one more thing quickly. Another response 
simply is to trust God. When you are in trials and difficulties, trust the Lord. Proverbs 3, a verse that's well known to us, says, Trust the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. and He will make your paths straight. The thing you need to remember when you're facing trials is that God is in control. That God has never been and never will be out of control. God knows exactly what you're going through. He is aware. He sees and he knows. And he promises never to give you more than you can handle. He will never do it. It's like it's a controlled environment where God, his heart is to grow you and he's going to do it. But he wants you to know that he is in control and it's going to be okay. And you can trust him. He will be faithful. His very nature is to be faithful. He cannot be faithful. He cannot be unfaithful because that would be disowning who he actually is. And God can't do that. Trust the Lord. And some of us here in this room might be going through things that are really, really difficult. And some of us have gone through difficulties that are far beyond what I've ever experienced in my life. I fully acknowledge that. But everything that everyone has gone through is for a purpose. Do you know that God doesn't waste anything in your life? God will never waste a circumstance or a situation that you've gone through or that you will go through in your life. He uses everything. Everything. He is a perfect God. He has got perfect plans for you. And he will not waste a thing. Romans 8.28. He works everything for good. He turns around everything for good. His heart is for you. He is with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. He is not out of control. There is hope. And he's waiting for us to respond well. And he's saying, and he does it gently as a father. As a perfect father. He just gives us opportunities. He's growing us. He's growing our spiritual muscles. He's making us stronger each time. You know, it always hurts when you work out. But it makes you stronger every time. And the glory of God's heart is that he's making you and conforming you to the image of Jesus. And for us at New Philly in particular, as God raises us up as a mighty army, that's his heart. You know, no mighty warrior wants to go out apart from being conformed into the image of Jesus. That's part of what he's doing among us. He's growing us in maturity. He's growing us in strength. He's growing us in authority. He's growing us in wisdom. He's growing us in love. And he does that through trials and difficulties. I want to pray. Let's pray. Father, we 
We thank you, God, that your heart is for us, that your heart is to continually bless us and grow us, God, into the image of your son, Jesus, that you are so compassionate, that your heart is so soft and so warm to us, so loving toward us, God. Lord, we want to step into, God, your heart and align our heart with your heart and say, yes, God, we want to be made like Jesus. Do what it takes to make us like Jesus. Grace us, Father, to respond well in trials. Yeah, we thank you that you are always with us, that you are never out of control, God, that you will never give us more than we can handle. Yeah, that we can trust you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. And we praise you. We ask that you would root these truths further inside of us, God. That you would, yeah, that you would seal these things and grow them in us, God. That we would step forward as victorious children in your kingdom of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Take revelation deeper even now, God. Do it now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you. And we praise you. We put our hope and our trust fully in you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.